Welcome to Soul Bodied. This is your host, Anna Kinkela. This is a sacred space where we hold conversations on what it means to honor the fullness of our humanity and the expansiveness of our divinity. In this space, we embrace the complexities that are inherent in all of our experiences, welcoming in the messiness of all that we are as a pathway to knowing, embracing, and embodying the fullest expression of our soul in the human realm. We talk about leadership, embodiment, social change, psychology, spirituality, conscious business, quantum creation, politics, nature, movement and the body, relationships, building communities of true connection, and anything else that guides us deeper into leading from a place of wholeness and belonging within ourselves and with each other. Hello, dear ones, and welcome to Soul Bodied. This is your host, Anna Kinkela. And this week's episode is all about dismantling the nice girl paradigm. I feel really passionate about this subject And it's because I've lived within the nice girl paradigm for most of my life, and I still do in so many ways. It's a continual unpeeling, unveiling of myself and the ways that I've been programmed to be nice and acceptable and palatable to other people. And so today we're really going to break down what is the nice girl paradigm How does this show up for me? How might it show up for me? How's it affecting my life, my business? And how can I start to really dismantle this within myself and step into who I really am? I want to take a moment to really stress the difference between niceness and kindness, because I think it is important for this discussion. Sometimes I'll have people you know, ask me, well, what's so wrong about being nice? And, you know, I tend to not like to label things as wrong or bad or good, um, just because I think that there's a lot of gray and a lot of space for us to see things in so many different ways from so many different perspectives. But what I want to say about niceness versus kindness is that I think that there is an important distinction. And for me, niceness is, if I'm being nice to someone, I am often operating from a should, from a rule or an attitude that was taught to me, but that isn't necessarily in connection with my heart center, and that isn't necessarily in alignment with what I believe I can actually provide in the space. And you know, you might be saying all the right things and doing all the right things, but it doesn't actually feel good to you. And you don't feel embodied in yourself in the moment, right? 
And so I want to distinguish this because niceness to me means that we're operating from our social programming or like social paradigms. And perhaps we're like extending ourselves beyond what our energetic capacity is. So maybe we're saying yes when we really want to say no, or we're saying no when we really want to say yes. Um, you know, maybe our boundaries aren't as good, but we're doing what we're doing because we are seeking approval. Whereas kindness is coming from this heart-centered space within us. And we are connecting with someone else's heart. We are connecting with our own. We are in alignment with our own energy and with our own needs and wants. And so we're truly showing up in the space embodied in who we are and also in a space of empathy for others. And there's no sense of like, I'm giving all of this to someone else. There's more of a sense of I am giving from an overflowing cup. I am showing up because I truly want to. I am, you know, in my power. I am who I am. And I feel safe to be who I am in the world, right? And so when we're kind, we not only honor ourselves, but we honor others. And there's this beautiful flowing reciprocal energy within that space, right? Because when we can honor ourselves, we can more fully honor and show up for others. And when we honor others, we are also affirming love for ourselves, right? Because however we are in relationship with others, that is how we are in relationship with ourselves. It's all a mirror. So niceness is like you're giving parts of yourself away in order to please other people. And kindness is anchoring into your truth and honoring someone else's truth in the same breath. And that is where true reciprocal relationship starts to bloom. Now, if we talk about the nice girl paradigm in particular here, the nice girl paradigm comes from patriarchy and patriarchy has taught women that you have to look a certain way, be a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way in order to be loved and accepted and in order to be safe in the world, right? There are so many messages that tell women, you know, if you dress in this certain way, you are asking to be sexually assaulted or raped, right? And that gets to the core of our safety in the world. So there's all of these attitudes, beliefs, ways of being that are continually policing women and telling them how to behave and what they should or should not be doing in order to maintain safety. Um, and another example that comes up for me, something that I've heard from a ton of men is, you know, why don't you smile? You look so pretty when you smile, right? A lot of the time, you know, men who've told me this don't necessarily have bad intentions, but it's a message that's been interwoven into our society um, to the point that strangers on the street, strange men on the street that I don't know, have said that to me. And it's a way of saying, I'm not comfortable with any other emotion that you might be having. And what I want from you is for you to look pleasant um, so that you are more acceptable to me. All of these things feed into this nice girl paradigm. If you are a nice girl, 
then good things will happen in your life. You will be loved and accepted and you will be safe. Right. And, you know, obviously this isn't something they put on a billboard and, um, it's not something that is said overtly, but it is said unconsciously through lots of little messages that we get through marketing books, stories that we're told, TV shows that we see, right? This is underneath the surface. And sometimes it's also pretty overt messaging. You know, I've been told to be a good girl and that that will serve me well in the world, right? And so all of this shows up in the messaging that we receive from our family the kind of stories that we have access to, the books that we read, it's embedded within our culture. And so little girls are, you know, socially programmed to fit into this mold. This directly impacts the expression of our sexuality, right? Because if you step out of the nice girl paradigm, then the punishment for that is that you're called a slut, you're called a whore, you're called easy, right? And no one's going to want to marry you. Um, And there's all these, you know, things that you get called once you step out of the nice girl box. And so that's a form of punishment. And, you know, most of us want to be good. Most of us want to receive love and acceptance and validation from other people. So being able to express ourselves or, you know, wear the kind of clothes that we want to wear or even have a healthy sexual life is something that we haven't had permission to do unless we've been the ones to give ourselves the permission. There haven't been a lot of positive messages of what it means to be sexual, what it means to be in acceptance of your own body, of your own pleasure, until really recently, right? And I have to say that even though you know, we're starting to see more positive images of women embracing their sexuality and um, stories about it being a positive thing and how can we really show up in the world and, you know, claim who we are as sexual beings and also still be good people, valuable people, worthy people. There's still a ton of messaging that says the exact opposite. It's not like this is mainstream society, right? This is something that I see now among my friends. This is something I see in the coaching industry, but I'm surrounded by it, right? Most people don't have access to these things. And we still have a ton of advertising, a ton of stories, a ton of movies that reflect the exact opposite. And we definitely still live in a society that condones violence against women and blames survivors for what they were wearing if they were drinking or not. And so this is very much still a part of the story, a part of the narrative, what happens in courtrooms, how cases are prosecuted, what resources are available to survivors of sexual assault. So it's permeating our society, this attitude, and really this lack of safety that women have. And it's all based on how are you behaving? What are you doing to prevent this versus who are the perpetrators who are committing these crimes and how can we hold them accountable in our day-to-day life? You know, the nice girl paradigm is not something we are super conscious of unless you have honed in on some aspects of the good girl behavior and how you try to fit in. 
And as you start to work with this paradigm, you start to dig into deeper and deeper layers and you start to find more and more things that you do on a daily basis or that you do regularly, which really reflect this paradigm, this lack of safety that you feel in just being yourself in the world and being big and being powerful in being sexual in being all of yourself. The nice girl paradigm is really something that actually thwarts women's power and sexuality is power, right? There's a deep correlation between us feeling our power and us being connected to our yoni. Stepping out of the nice girl paradigm means doing a lot of unlearning and reclaiming, not just reclaiming parts of ourselves, which is definitely part of the work, but also reclaiming our desires, be they sexual or non-sexual, right? This doesn't always have to be about sex. It is about desire, though. It is about what we think is possible for us. And it is about feeling safe to be who we are in the world. What's also important to recognize is how this fits in with leadership. When you think about the nice girl paradigm and what's expected of you, the narrative never includes, you know, women being leaders in the nice girl paradigm. In fact, being a nice girl means saying the right thing and not being too loud or too much. And leadership is about speaking out. It's about having a different point of view and allowing others to see you and to hear your perspective. And so if you've received programming your entire life, that's telling you to stay quiet, to not be loud, to not intrude, to say the right thing, then it's going to be really hard for you to feel like a leader and to embody leadership. And that is definitely something that I had to work through within myself of what does it mean for me to be a leader? What does this look like? What does it mean for me to speak my truth? What does it mean for me to claim who I am and to allow myself to guide others? right? And so I deeply believe in the fact that we are all leaders, right? We're all impacting people on a daily basis. And what we do or don't do has a ripple effect. And so we're leading someone, we're leading ourselves. And even leading ourselves requires us to know our truth. It requires us to own our desires so that we know the pathway forward. So we have direction. And so what I see happening with a lot of my clients and what has definitely been true for me is that I built my entire life on the expectations that society or other people had of me, right? I did the right thing. I you know, went to college, I got a job, I established a career, I bought a house, I was building the life that I was told I should have. And mind you, it's not like I didn't participate in this. It's not like none of it felt good to me on some level. But I wasn't really tuning into who I really was and what I really wanted and what my core desires were. And what ended up happening for me is that as I you know, achieved some of these goals, welcomed in some of these things into my life, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel happy. And I wondered why. I wondered why after I bought a house, I wasn't feeling content. I wondered why after I got married, I wasn't feeling content. And it all came down to 
this isn't what I really want. This isn't what I deeply desire for myself. What I deeply desire is freedom. What I deeply desire is to travel around the world. What I deeply desire is to create. And there were so many unspoken desires that I didn't even know were there until I did some unconscious reprogramming work. And until I saw examples of other women who were paving their way forward, doing their thing, and I was seeing their life and desiring it for myself. And then I started asking myself the question, why am I envious or jealous of these women? What is it that they have that I want? And why don't I have these things? Why haven't I taken this pathway in my life? And the more that I unraveled these things within myself, the more that I realized how small I was keeping myself in order to fit into the nice girl paradigm, in order to get approval from other people, in order to not stand out and have someone say, you're stepping out of bounds, what you're saying is wrong, you can't do this, right? And I was so scared of that, that it was easier to just assimilate into what I thought would make me happy, what I thought would get me the love and acceptance that I wanted. And none of this was super conscious, right? Um, This was all just very subliminal messaging that I'd received and ways that I just learned to navigate the world and think about my life to the point where I just was like I had blinders on, right? I couldn't see past that until someone showed me a different perspective, right? And this is true of any one of our beliefs or attitudes. It is like we have blinders on and we can't see past that unless we choose to step out of the paradigm and see the story that's playing out in our life. And so what I want to say is that, you know, the nice girl paradigm plays out on all levels of our leadership. You know, the first level of my leadership where I became aware of the nice girl paradigm was when I first really started to shift into becoming an entrepreneur and started dreaming in that direction. But since then, me being comfortable and being who I am, me being safe and who I really am, has shown up for me in every single step of this journey. And it's required me to really look at the stories that I've inherited, no matter how well-meaning, and to allow myself to find safety in the depths of my essence and to reclaim the parts of myself that I have cast aside unconsciously in favor of pleasing others in favor of being in service to others' comfort rather than to my own. I think a potent question to ask yourself is where am I giving away parts of myself in order to make someone else feel okay? What am I not saying, not speaking out for fear that someone is going to reject me or not love me or think that I'm too much? Where am I doing that in my life? Do I always speak my truth? Or do I keep it secret and process it in my journal or process it with my friends and never actually express how I'm doing or how I'm feeling or what's going on in my head? How much energy am I giving out into the world and to other people 
And am I allowing myself to receive energy, right? Am I taking care of myself? Am I asking for support from my friends and allowing myself to receive support from friends? How much energy is going out versus how much energy is coming back into my life? Most of the women that I work with are energetically depleted and are doing all the things for all the people in all of the areas of their life. And a lot of it comes down to trying to maintain this mask and this facade and this energy of I'm doing all the right things, right? I'm keeping myself in this box of what I'm supposed to be, of how I'm supposed to be showing up. And so, you know, when we talk about the nice girl paradigm, we're also talking about what are your true desires? What are your yeses and what are your no's? Determining what a yes is, is so important. What does a yes feel like in your body? What does a no feel like in your body? And how much are you owning that in your life and in your business? So this is definitely true in relationships, right? Us saying yes and us saying no in relationships, but it's also true in our business. What are the things that we are saying yes to that we feel like we have to do? And are we able to say no to certain things? No to showing up in certain ways. No to implementing certain structures because we feel like we have to. How is this replicating itself in your life? So what are your yeses and your nos? And are you honoring your yeses and your nos? Because what we say yes to and what we say no to determines our boundaries. Another great question to ask yourself is, how do I believe that I am too much? What about me feels too much for other people or for my business? This question can be really potent because it'll show you all the parts of yourself that you've disowned in favor of being more palatable, right? Because when we think that we're too much in a certain area, or if something inside of ourselves is too much, then we tend to hide it and push it under the rug. And we don't even want to witness it within ourselves. And oftentimes the very things that you think are too much about you are the exact things that are unique about your energetic essence. And they're the exact things that you need to claim reclaim within yourself in order for you to receive what you really want in your life and in your business. So I always think about that question as what parts of myself am I ashamed of? And why am I ashamed of them? What's my fear in the space? And can I turn towards these parts of myself that I feel shame about? that I'm worried other people will reject me for and just get curious about these parts. Just begin to understand who these parts of me are. You don't have to accept them necessarily or yet. It's more about just nurturing the practice of being curious, right? Without needing to have a destination with it, but just following the curiosity, just understanding more. Another space of deepening is really around sexuality and the expression of sexuality and more so just asking yourself the question, how much do I allow myself to experience pleasure 
And that definitely connects with yoni. It doesn't necessarily even mean sex in and of itself, but I think just on a very general level, it's pleasure. Do I give myself permission to feel pleasure in my life? For a lot of women, the answer is going to be, I feel a lot of guilt and shame when I give myself pleasure because I'm taking away time from my kids or from my partner or from my work. And I, quote unquote, don't have time to give myself pleasure, to receive pleasure. And that's usually a good indication that there's a lot of blocks in the second chakra um, in the space where we receive pleasure, whether that's through sex or, you know, through any other means. Pleasure is the thing that connects us with desire and it's what leads our life in so many ways. We are here to experience pleasure. Life is supposed to be pleasurable. It's not all going to be pleasure, right? There's there's pain and experiencing pain allows us to know pleasure, but that we are here to feel joy in our life. And if we're not connecting with our pleasure, then we are blocking our ability to experience the full breath of what life has to offer us. And also pleasure is just an expression of our essence, pleasure, play, being in joy. All of that is so interconnected and is the essence of who we are. It's an expression of it, right? So reclaiming that within ourselves is us reclaiming our essence. So much of the nice girl paradigm is about denying ourselves pleasure. It's about, you know, being good. And the image of what it means to be good is not a woman who is in her pleasure, because that is very threatening to the patriarchy, right? So it's about unraveling the blocks that we have to receiving. That is such a huge piece of this work. And it's definitely one of the big things for me. I was really blocked to receiving. And this relates to money, of course. It relates to us inviting in relationships that we really desire. It relates to everything. But, you know, what makes it hard for you to receive? When someone wants to give you something, like money, or wants to give you a compliment, what comes up for you? What's the story that shows up? Are you someone who is able to accept really freely and recognize how amazing you are and how much energy you put into things and how much money you deserve? Or are you someone that minimizes the impact that you have on others or, you know, minimizes your need to receive money for the work that you do under charges, right? These are all ways that this can show up in your life and in your business. There's so much that I can say on the energy of receiving, and I'm actually going to do a separate podcast episode on that, but it is interconnected with the nice girl paradigm and what we allow in to our life and into our business. I think what's also important to speak about in this space when we're talking about the nice girl paradigm is this polarity between what it means to be good and what it means to be bad and how that also impacts our leadership with other people and how we show up in spaces. 
this concept of goodness and badness is something that comes from Christianity, right? It comes from this perspective of the world that there are inherently good people and inherently bad people. And depending on how you are judged, that kind of determines your entire life, right? So if you're labeled as bad, um, that means that you won't have a good life, that you won't receive all these things, that you're going to go to hell, right? And if you're good, then good things happen to you and you'll have everything that you want and you'll go to heaven and everything will be great. And that's just not true because that's not life. The reality is, is that bad things sometimes happen to good people and that oftentimes we don't receive everything that we want just because we're good, just because we do all the quote unquote right things. And this kind of perspective, this kind of dichotomy sets people up for failure, right? And the truth, the very core truth is that we are a mix of quote unquote good and quote unquote bad things. People aren't all good and people aren't all bad. You know, even people who've done really bad things still have some good in them. And even people who are really good, kind, loving people have also done bad things. This really sets us up to judge ourselves really harshly for one, right? If we do a quote unquote bad thing, then sometimes we believe that we are all bad because of that. And You know, on another level, trying to always be good in whatever that means in the situation oftentimes gets us into places where we're actually not speaking out against injustices that we see. It keeps the status quo in check, right? And the status quo being that we live in a white supremacist patriarchal society. So the rules and attitudes that come from those systems of oppression are the ones that dictate what is good and bad. And so when we witness injustice happening in front of us, the nice girl paradigm then tends to reinforce fitting in versus speaking out. And to speak out is to speak out against the status quo. And if you speak out against the status quo, there's this inherent feeling of not being safe, even though you are safe in the space. It's just your body doesn't believe it because of the programming that you've received, right? And so what I, how I've seen this play out for me and for other white women specifically is that when we see racism happening in front of us, xenophobia, we don't say anything. We stay quiet. We are silent in the face of injustice. And it's because of this programming that makes us want to stay in the box, even if we know that what this person is saying or doing is wrong. We don't want to ruffle any feathers, right? And it keeps injustice alive and well. And we become bystanders instead of becoming true allies to people of color 
or people who don't have the same privileges that we do. And this has been a huge thing that I've been unraveling within myself since doing my decolonization work. Um, And it's something that I've really become aware of through the work of Andrea Renee Johnson. And it's something that she pointed out is this programming that's in white women to kind of please and to quote unquote, do the right thing, which ends up upholding the status quo instead of challenging it. This is so important for our capacity as leaders, because if we truly want to lead in a way that recognizes all people, right, that allows space for all people to be a part of our communities, then we also have to be willing to call out and call in injustices that are happening and step out of the programming to truly be an ally, that that's part of our leadership. And if we are so stuck in this paradigm that we stay silent, then we are causing harm. And so this is a very real thing that we all have to look at within our leadership, especially if we're leading communities and spaces where people from all walks of life are present, where people of color are present, right? Where people who come from different countries are present. We all really have to step up and unlearn the silencing. The silencing is so toxic when we don't talk about the things that we see happening, the things that we consider unjust, the things that have hurt us, the ways that we've been hurt, right? This applies to experiencing sexual assault and rape because certainly women have been silenced for centuries on that. When we can use our voices, that is such an expression of our power to change something in the world. And silence only distances us from the essence of our own power. Silence just continues the same patterns that we've been seeing over and over again, whether it's within ourselves or, you know, within our communities or within society. It's all being reflected, right? The less you speak, the less things change. And it requires someone to really fully own their voice and be willing to shake and be in their fear and speak up anyway. It takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of courage. And it's so necessary if we want the world to move forward and be a better place for everyone at the table. Unlearning the nice girl paradigm really involves us learning how to sit with our shame. And I bring that up because for most of us, if not all of us, Shame is a really, really difficult emotion to feel. And the reason is because the emotion of shame communicates to you that somehow the core of you, that who you are is wrong. And this comes back to that good or bad dichotomy where shame ends up saying you are bad. You are a bad person because of the way that you stepped out and shared yourself in the world. 
Yeah. And so when we feel shame in certain situations where we step out of a box, we, we show ourselves to someone and maybe their response either is or is interpreted as rejection or you are bad or you are wrong or this is not okay. We experience shame for who we are. And that really shuts us down and puts us back into the box. And so ultimately, in order for us to really be able to unlearn the nice girl paradigm, we are being invited to be able to sit with shame, to be able to look at shame in the eye, understand what the emotion is about, like why it's coming up in this space, and then work through it and teach ourselves a different narrative to reach in and feel the deeper truth, which is none of you is bad or wrong. None of you. It's okay to be messy. It's okay to be who you really are. You are safe and you are loved. You might not be loved by everybody, but that's okay. You get to give love to yourself and you get to receive love from the people who have the capacity to give it to you in the way that you deserve. And it can take a lot of unlearning for us to truly feel that that is truth, right? And it's asking us to meet shame over and over again and to sit with shame and to cradle shame to heal the shame within ourselves so that we actually feel, yeah, it's okay for me to be me. It's okay for me to be messy. It's okay for me to show these parts of myself. And even if someone doesn't like it, I don't automatically go to shame anymore. There's also so much that I could say about shame. And as long as I'm listing out all the podcast episodes I want to record, I think definitely an episode on shame is coming up and is going to be in the works. But, you know, briefly, I think that as a culture, we often treat shame with gloves on um, because it is such an uncomfortable emotion for all of us. And it does really touch into the core of who we are, like it's a reflection on it in some way. And so people start to get really wary about triggering shame or talking about shame or having a relationship with shame whatsoever. And, you know, while we don't want to go around like purposefully making people feel shame, please don't do that. (laughs) What we do want to do is like invite conversation around our experience. So, as long as someone doesn't have the intention of shaming you, right, that their intention is overall good, um, there's space for impact to be owned there. So maybe my intention was not to shame you and I had the impact of shaming you. So like, let's talk about that. What we also get to do within ourselves is then own the fact that shame might have been showing up in that situation because of past things that have happened to us, because of programming that we've received. 
And so there's space to talk about the impact someone had on you. And then there's also space to really look at the parts of us that have been hurt or shamed in the past and how that's showing up in our relationships and how that's maybe even impeding us from working through some of these deeper layers that are there. So it's such an opportunity for us to do the deeper work. And this specifically shows up a lot, a lot when it comes to feeling pleasure, when it comes to our sexuality, shame is a very common emotion um, for, for women specifically, but definitely also for men. Shame triggers a lot and it is a really strong emotion. And I believe that we are so much more resilient than we think we are. We can face things within ourselves that oftentimes our mind doesn't think that we can. Um, and also what's true is that we have to ease our way into it. So what I recommend is just tiptoeing into those waters, starting to feel what shame feels like in the body. And when you start to feel like it's a little bit too overwhelming, you can always step away from it, right? Or have someone guide you through it. That can be a really beautiful invitation, something that you can do either with a coach or with a therapist um, who are trained to do that work. Another powerful practice to invite in as a way to start unlearning the nice girl paradigm is to invite more messiness into your relationships. And this has been a game changer for me, especially in the past year. One of the things that I was noticing for myself is how much I was censoring my truth in my relationships for fear that people would say you're wrong or would reject me or tell me that they didn't love me. And it's not something that I necessarily overtly recognized, but I started tuning into it, just being aware of how much I was overthinking my interactions with certain people. So I would like think about how I should say something, what I should say, what the timing of it was, questioning whether I should even say it. And by the way, I'm a chronic overthinker. This is part of my personal work. This is also part of what I help women unravel within themselves because what we unravel within ourselves, we also teach. And, um, you know, I started noticing this pattern of how much I was thinking about what to say, how to say it without stepping on anyone's toes or like hurting anyone's feelings or any of that. And that led me into like really considering, you know, how much of this is me trying to communicate something effectively and an honoring of someone and how much of this is me actually shutting down my own truth in the space and trying to make myself more palatable so that this person wouldn't like feel bad or be offended or think that I'm crazy or too much or whatever the story is. Right. And the more I started like really unpacking that and inquiring about that, the more I noticed it in all my relationships. And so what I started doing is I started speaking my truth more in places where my heart was beating so fast. Um, like I thought I was going to die because, um, my chest was just exploding from how nervous I was, how scared I was. And 
that really became an indication to me that I was withholding a lot of who I was. And so I started practicing speaking my truth, of course, in a way that, you know, is respectful and coming from a place of love as well, but in a way that also honored my boundaries and that really spoke to like hurts or things that I'd been experiencing and really being able to even step out of the perfectionist space where there was a part of me that was expecting me to always be perfect because, you know, I should know better. This is a paradigm that I'm holding. You know, this is totally a story. And the thing is, is pretty much everything that we think is a story. It's based off of some type of paradigm that we're living from. And just because that is happening doesn't mean that it's not true for us. And so oftentimes what I witness some of the leaders doing is actually invalidating themselves in their own experience because intellectually they can understand that it's a story and that they quote unquote shouldn't be feeling this way. And I think that this is a really important piece of breaking out of the nice girl paradigm is just owning your emotional experience, whatever it is and speaking it out loud just because you can intellectually understand why the story that you have about a certain relationship or a certain situation in your life maybe isn't absolute truth, right? Whatever you're feeling is still valid in the space. And I see a lot of women invalidating their experience, including myself, and that this is such an important place of reclamation is really validating our emotions, speaking our truth and being messy in the space and allowing ourselves to be seen by another person. And this is really hard. It is really hard. It's vulnerable. It's scary, but it's so necessary because if we can do this in our personal relationships and show up in this way, it's going to be so much easier for us to do it in all other areas of our life. The more that we do this, the more that we can just be real, be our unique selves without having to put up any masks, without having to fit into any nice girl scenario and just let it be what it's going to be and allow our relationships to be truly real and reflective of, you know, who we want to have in our lives because when we're hiding ourselves or not speaking our truth, we inevitably keep people around who can't necessarily give us the love that we truly deserve. If someone is going to be scared of you or not open to you because you speak your truth to them, then perhaps they are not for you. Perhaps they're not someone who needs to fit into your life. So be willing to be messy. I think messiness is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to ourselves and to our relationships. And through that action step, through the action of being messy, we continue to break out of the box and actually live in a space where there is no box, where we just get to be who we are messiness 
ultimately teaches us that we are lovable in our imperfection and that actually our imperfection is what makes us perfect to someone or to certain people. And it teaches our body to feel safe in that space, to feel safe in not being good or bad, but being all of it, that there is safety in being all of who you are. And that is the most valuable lesson. That's the most beautiful place of embodiment that you can inhabit in your life. That is the place of true freedom from within that then ripples out into all other areas of your life. Thank you for joining me here in this conversation. I hope that it brought value into your life, that it you know, prompted you to think about things differently, that some of the questions that I posed opened up some portals for you to explore in your own life and in your own business. And if you loved what you heard, I would love it if you could leave us a written review on iTunes. It really helps other people to understand the value of the podcast and inspires them to tune in. Thank you so much again, and we'll see you next time.